0: Hi, everyone. I'm Lydia Kincaid, and I am moderating our CEAI, Cohen Esri Apartment Investors podcast. Uh, today, we are talking with our Chief Operating Officer, Ryan Huffman, and our CEO and President, Lee Harris. We are going to go into some more detail about the markets that we focus on um, when we're thinking about acquiring a property. We've talked a little bit about this and some other Podcast, um, but today we're going to get a little bit more granular. Before we do that, how about we start at a little bit more macro level? Um, Lee, can you describe for us kind of the basic parameters that we look for? We'll start with that, and then we'll get more specific as we go here.
1: Sure. So we look at several factors as we screen markets, and then the properties in those markets. Uh, we're looking at population. in in terms of the top 100 markets relative to to population size. Uh, And then from there, we look at population growth uh, for the past five years and what it's projected to be for the next five years. Uh, We look at uh, rental rates and what rent growth has looked like uh, over over the last five years. And again, what is what it's projected to to look like over the the ensuing five years, uh, population growth, uh, rent growth, and then the third uh, factor is job growth. Uh, again, looking back five years, looking forward five years, uh, and we need to see some healthy healthy numbers uh, where these uh, elements are concerned. And I think Ryan can can uh, attest to this, but we are. Probably looking out of those top 100 markets, maybe at 49 or 50 of those markets that pass our our basic screening screen test, if you will. Uh, And I I think one other thing when we talk about the top 100 markets, uh, there are many sub-markets that make up an MSA, so the the metropolitan statistical area. uh, And and, uh, typically, I think the cutoff of The top 100 markets is 200 and some odd thousand people. Uh, There are many communities that are less than 200,000 that make up these larger MSAs. So we will consider, for example, Overland Park, Kansas, is part of the Kansas City metro. And so we're not so concerned about the individual market population as we are the metro population uh, in, in terms of that top 100. So that kind of sets the stage here.
2: I think it's importantly to add that, you know, as we're looking at these markets, we talk about the top hundred, we throw out any area we don't do right off the word go. So, you know, we've talked in these podcasts before we don't do the West coast. We don't do the Northeast. Um, We don't do anything in a hurricane surge zone. And so, you know, surge zone simply means if I'm in Tampa, I need to be inland enough that I wouldn't get hit by the surge if the hurricane came in, which is, you know, an interesting topic to talk about considering we just went through um, one of those events down in Florida. Um, But, you know. Well, and
1: you you might mention that the the lakes at Northport, you might mention the fact that uh, that property did not. Uh even though it was right in that path of the hurricane, it got a little a little bit of wind, but it did not get the, the surge because we were far enough away from the
2: from that and zone. And it and it sustained really all things considered minimal damage from a direct hit. So um th- that's the reason why. And and I say that because when you throw out those areas of the country, interestingly enough, 49 of the top hundred markets are in those areas um and so we're really analyzing after we you know get through the screening 50 markets as you mentioned uh, or 51 markets if you will that are remaining so at a macro level that's how we begin
1: i also think that uh, just to to put a pin in the the markets where we don't play why don't we go to the northeast well those are such specialized markets washington dc boston new york highly specialized a lot of nuance. Uh rent control is a big factor in the Northeast, and that's <clears throat> that is something we are not interested in in wrestling with. Uh, West Coast, particularly California, the regulatory environment is is just toxic. Um, and uh there's some population issues there as well with uh people fleeing the state. So uh, we're, we're just not interested in playing in markets that we don't understand or that have some factors that just are, are very negative to begin with.
0: So for our team, before they'll even do a deeper dive on the financials of a property or start the underwriting process, we only look at those um, 51 markets. So that, for one, sets the stage. And then within those 51 markets, there's a few that we really have our eye on. Um, the, the metrics are really, really strong, and a few we're going to talk about today. And our goal is really to start creating some economies of scale in those particular markets as well. So, Ryan, maybe we can start talking with our headquarters area, Kansas City. What do we like about this area?
2: I mean, you know, you have an affinity for your headquarters market. I mean, I think everybody does that. We know the market extremely, extremely well. Um, Kansas City, is in what what we typically call here in 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 you know real estate jargon, if you will, the flyover part of the country. So what that means is, you know, you typically you see coast to coast, and the coasts are always hot, and they're they're spikes and valleys. So when you look at what's happening in real estate, it usually starts on the coast and ripples in. The ripple gets a lot smaller as it ripples in so if you see you know a gigantic rent spike in new york you're going to see rent growth in kansas city but it won't be a spike in valley so think of it as more rolling hills if you will kansas city's got a very very great story in terms of not only growth job growth it's got a diversified economy Um, we've got two a ford plant and a gm plant that pump 5 billion into our economy um, we've got sports teams that pump into the economy. We've got healthcare, communications with T Mobile's headquarters here. Um, we've got some Fortune 500 companies that are here. So, you know, from an, and, and the cost of living is also very, very attractive in Kansas City. So, you know, all of those factors, Kansas City has a growth and a growth path as with all markets, and Lee touched on it a little bit, we not only look at the market, but we dig down once we target the market into sub-markets so that we know where we'll play and where we won't play. Kansas City, we've exclusively looked at Johnson County and north of the river. Um, those areas each have their own you know, growth patterns, but you know, Johnson County has had huge growth. It's, it's busting at the seams on its border to the south. And so it's swinging over to the west. So you're seeing kind of Lenexa, um, and those areas start to have massive construction and growth, uh, in population migration north of the river, 50% of the land area is still undeveloped. So you really have a, a big growth path in that area. So really what you're looking at, if you want to really dig down into how we view the world, it's high growth areas, high growth submarkets um, that have growing incomes and growing population centers. And that's really what you have here in Kansas city as a highlight primarily.
1: And I'll, I'll tag on to that and <clears throat> throw out a couple of stats here. Uh, the the metro is uh, about 2.2 million people, and it grew in the past year about 0.77 percent as a as an overall metro, which is a healthy growth. Uh, it's not not the highest uh, of, of the markets that we're in, but Johnson County, Kansas, uh, grew 12.4 percent between 2010 and 2021. That's enormous growth. Uh, So uh, that's one of the reasons, even though 0.77% growth may not be that big a deal, 12.4% over 11 years is a a big factor. It's over 1% per year.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Lee, for adding that. Um, I think that's really compelling for Johnson County specifically. Um, how about the Houston area, Ryan, and Dallas, Fort Worth? How do those compare to the kind of growth that we're seeing here in Johnson County?
2: So, you know, that's, you kind of combined two markets that are uniquely different in Texas, which is interesting. I mean, Houston, um, Houston is a market we really like. We have not acquired there. Um, it, it's got some Really positive things. And then it's got a cautionary tale that I would tell everybody, which is Houston's big negative is that they don't have any zoning. So, not having any zoning or any kind of zoning plan, you kind of have a sprawling metroplex that's grown organically. And you could have a great property, great statistics on one corner, and a shoot em up, bang, bang gallery on the other corner and of an intersection. And that's that's the complete truth. So, you know, digging into Houston you know Houston used to be a boom bust market because it was all energy dependent they've really built out the petrochemical side of of Houston so now you know if energy prices go down in the energy corridor down there you, you may have some softening but because petrochemical uses energy that area is going to strengthen so you're seeing some balancing in houston um in their economy that's helping kind of balance things out as we all know houston is definitely subject to hurricanes um, so you have to again be careful not to be in that surge zone what's fascinating is if you all think back you know, the surge zone was immaterial back when the, when I call the big one hit down there. Um, and so, you know, you kind of have to be careful in Houston. We like the story there. We like the growth there. Houston will always be growth. Just, you know, word of caution. Dallas, on the other hand, um, hits in in literally about the top 10 or 20 of every metric we we look at. They've got huge population growth. They've got huge rent growth. They've got huge job growth. Um mm-hmm. And a lot of that is is folks migrating from the Californias and the New Yorks of the world. You've got companies converging in in Texas, both in you know kind of Austin Dallas area primarily, um, but that's really driving a lot of factors in Dallas. Um, and so you know it's it's a it's a great market. <laughs> we we really enjoy, we really like Dallas a lot.
1: Well, and I might I might add on here. So again, since I'm the statistics guy today, uh, Houston has a population, a metro population of 7.2 million, and grew 0.88 percent from 2020 to 2021. Um, by contrast, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex has 7.76 million people, so it's even larger than Houston, but it grew at 1.42 percent. Uh, over the course of one year. That is enormous. But there's another market in Texas that's even more uh, fascinating, and one that we've really uh, jumped into heavily, and that's San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio is 2.6 million people, so it's much smaller. But last year, it grew 1.9%. I, I don't I, – that's just hard to fathom. The market is very interesting in that tourism is one of the, the main economic drivers. 34 million people went to San Antonio last year on on a tourist basis uh, with the Alamo and SeaWorld and all the other uh, attractions there. Healthcare, education, and the military are uh, other main economic drivers. Uh, we've acquired... Uh, actually three market rate properties in San Antonio. We sold one uh, and we've developed uh, one uh, affordable community of 200 units that uh, just opened. Uh, We have two more under construction, a 212 unit and a 301 unit, uh, affordable workforce housing. Uh, But the San Antonio market is just on fire. And... The other thing we found is that San Antonio has a lot of available land. So from a ground up construction standpoint, it's fascinating. Now, we don't do that on the market rate side, but we do the uh, build ground up on on the workforce side. The one of the one of the properties uh, that we acquired on the market side is literally right across the street from uh, a massive uh, national security agency facility with all the barbed wire and the uh, the fences and the the, the military the guards with automatic weapons that are patrolling literally right across the street. And Ryan, you might uh, speak to that because I think there was a, a major expansion there.
2: Yeah, they a um, billion dollar expansion on that facility that was under construction when we closed. Uh, and, so it's huge.
1: And the and the employment. There's a lot of employees that uh, that work there. So uh, there's an Air Force base that uh, seems to be. Thriving there and in no danger of closing, so we love Dallas and Fort Worth. We like to try to, to, to enter the Houston market. We like to try to enter the Austin market there, but they've been the Austin market's been very very pricey. But San Antonio has just been a real shining star for us uh, with with all these growth factors that we look for.
2: And I think an interesting fact about San Antonio that a lot of people don't know: it is the number one retirement destination for top military brass, which I didn't know until I started looking deep into San Antonio. And the reasons are the weather there is spectacular; everybody likes the weather, and there are three large military installations uh, down there, so you have access to to the full resources, you know, as ex military or retired military of three different bases. So it's, it's really, you know, again, a market that's not going anywhere and, yeah. and <clears> throat> 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 throat>
1: well, and it's the fourth fastest growing city in the nation right now. So that's, uh, <clears throat> you know, that just kind of cements the, uh, the, the thesis that we have here. Interestingly, Florida, uh, is we have one asset in Florida. We've tried to acquire other assets, uh, Florida is a, is, is a market of 22 million people. Uh, it's now surpassed New York as the, uh, you, got, you have California, you have Texas, and, and now I think Florida, in terms of being the third largest state by population, the entire state increased population by 1.6% over the course of one year. That's the whole state which is just enormous. Uh, As many people know, I live in Naples, Florida, a good part of the year, uh, live and work there. And uh, we have, I believe our Metro is about 380,000, projected to be 800,000 by 2030 in in the next eight years. And uh, it's it's just amazing how many people are, are moving there for the weather, for economic reasons, Uh, it's a a very friendly state for business. Uh, And I think that's the other thing that we should be pointing out here is Texas is business friendly. Uh, Kansas uh, and Missouri both generally are business friendly. Uh, Florida certainly is business friendly. And uh, Ryan, we probably ought to talk a little about Atlanta too, which has 6 million people and a 1.73% growth rate uh, year over year. What, What do you think about Atlanta?
2: We love Atlanta too. Uh, we've owned there again in Atlanta. Um, you focus in on areas where we'll go. You know, you look at Peachtree City and that whole area of expansion. Um, you got Delta's hub there, which is a huge generator, very diversified economy. Um, anything in that Buckhead kind of northern part of Atlanta is great. Um, Denton is great. Um, and so, you know, you, there are so many good areas in Atlanta um that i don't think you could say enough good things about about that what's interesting about atlanta looking historically back and this is just food for thought as everybody gets in atlanta doesn't it's not a boom bust market it's almost a slow burn slow grow so they can have a decade of explosive growth and then they could have a decade of nominal to slight contraction it's it's a fascinating thing to watch because we talk about markets and markets can spike and and go back and forth. And Atlanta being as big as it is, um, seems to take a lot, a lot longer on the up and and a lot longer on the kind of other side of the hill. So um, it's just one of those markets to watch when you buy right. Kind of where are you in the cycle of Atlanta specifically? So just making sure you're understanding where that market is. You know, it's interestingly, you mentioned Florida. I want to go back to that for a minute. One of the things that I found really interesting is Marcus and Milichap. We look at this stuff when we do our statistical analysis. They did a top 20 um, for inbound population growth back in 2020. Florida had five of the top 20 cities for inbound population growth Tallahassee, um, Orlando, uh, Tampa and West Palm and Fort Myers. And so, you know, we all saw what happened in Fort Myers, but I think that'll rebuild back because it's such a desirable location for the weather and, and other things. So, you know, looking at that, you can see where the population migration is occurring and and it still occurs today 2 years later.
1: Well, and um... and we're we're bouncing back and forth, but back to Atlanta for a moment. Uh, Microsoft has purchased 90 acres uh, in the south part of the city where uh, they're you know, going to build a new campus. Uh, they're in the process of of hiring and moving 1,500 workers to that facility. I mean, that's a great vote of confidence in in the in that particular market. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, but in large swaths of Atlanta, there is a moratorium on uh, new construction of apartments, uh, which is hard to understand why that happens. Uh, But for our thesis of of acquiring uh, class B value add type of of assets, it works great because uh, obviously the competition uh, isn't quite as keen and rent growth has just been tremendous.
0: Well, I think we we've hit on all of our favorite markets. Ryan, are there any others that you wanted to describe a little bit before we close out today?
2: Um the only other one I would touch on is Columbus. Um Columbus is a is a hidden gem. I mean, it's we, our best performing performing asset in the portfolio with the highest return was in Columbus. Um, It was just it's got a great diversified economy, great population growth, great job growth all across the board. Um, And, you know, I would encourage anybody to look look at Columbus. It's it's a city that you say it and people don't think about it. um, But what a great story that has. Um, And the only other one I would mention that we've had success in and I mention it for a very specific reason is Lincoln, Nebraska, which isn't in the top msa's but let me tell you why i mention it we got offered a 600 plus unit property there and i said no to it (laughs) i said no to it four times before i got knocked over the head and said we're going to go and we dug into that market between the government between the university of nebraska um, we haven't touched on this but but nebraska Lincoln, specifically, is one of the most recession-proof cities I've ever seen. When we were in the downturn in 2008, their unemployment rate never dropped below 4%. It, It just held because of all of the economic drivers there. The population is half a million people or so, but they need so many units because of migration there by 2030. That it's just a tight occupancy market um, and vibrant with everything you have as a midwest college town so that's another one another hidden gem that i would just throw out to everybody that you know lincoln's just got a great a great story too
1: you know i think that the recession proof uh, nature of of a market is driven by uh, the diversification of the economy i mean that's a pretty obvious statement to make but uh when you have strong growth Uh, you're in a particularly a sunbelt market where people want to be uh, for a lot of reasons, the weather being certainly one, but uh, you, you, you have a diverse economy Uh, when the economy does take a dip. uh, I think that these markets like Atlanta, like San Antonio, Dallas, Fort Worth, Florida, uh, they, they feel it less. And that's one of the, the things that's attractive to us from a from an acquisition standpoint.
0: Well, this has been great. Thanks, Lee, our statistician for the day. And thanks, Ryan, for your commentary as well. Thanks, everyone, for listening.